When I was willing to simply praise the Lord, not because anything was outstanding in my life, everything actually wasn't going the way I wanted it, but I just simply believed in God's Word and I trusted that my responsibility is just to stand with that. And what I have found the best way to stand with God's Word is to praise the Lord. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Good Earth Podcast. This is Jake Martin again with Christians on Campus. Psalm 23, 1-5. Jehovah is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside waters of rest. He restores my soul. He guides me on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not fear evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of my adversaries. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. God has spread a table before us, but this table is in the presence of our enemies. We need to fight to enjoy God as our feast. Here's Michael. So this will be the last week of this current kind of series. So we've uh, kind of put it under this title, One Feast, Many Courses. And we've been covering it both from the angle of the picture in the Old Testament and the reality um, in the New Testament, primarily from the, the book of Romans. So in this journey... Uh, that that we see that's really is very vividly portrayed to us in the Old Testament. Um, there are many ways in which God makes Himself real to the children of Israel. Okay, so He uh, He He sent a Savior while they were in Egypt, and He rescued them from Pharaoh's strong hand. He delivered them through the Red Sea so that. Pharaoh and all the army was buried, was cut off. And then he brought them to himself in the wilderness. And there they, they held a feast. And we didn't get into all the details, but God really, he provided so many things for his people in that, in that wilderness experience. He rained down manna every morning. He was the living water to quench their thirst. He provided the, uh, the bronze serpent to heal their, their poison, their serpentine nature that had come from, from, from Satan's injecting himself into fallen man. He, uh, you know, he was there even continually guiding them as the, the pillar, uh, the cloud and the pillar of fire. He also instructed them while they were in the wilderness to build for him a tabernacle. And there was, if you read the last part of Exodus, so much detail in the building of that, that tabernacle. And it really, it really shows us a lot of who Christ is. We don't have the time to get into all that. Maybe one time the Lord will bring us back to that. We can get into all those things. So, um, but that wasn't the goal. The wilderness was not the goal. Even though it was separation from Egypt, even though they were now, you know, um, 
separated to God. They belonged to Him. They were His, under His care. God was not happy just that they would stay there in the wilderness. Neither were the children of Israel happy there. Because on the one hand, the wilderness is a place of separation, but it's also a not so pleasant place. And from the very beginning, God had in his heart to bring his people fully into the promised land. It was the land that God had intended them to possess, and it was in the land that God intended them to build up a kingdom for God himself, for God's expression on the earth. And so for that, this is interesting, God just didn't hand them a bare stretch of the earth. Actually, this was a place that had many enemies, many nations, many peoples that rejected God, that were worshiping idols of wood, stone. Um, they possessed this land. They were occupying parts of this land. But this was God's, God's promise to his people. And that, that promise stems or goes all the way back to Abraham, the first of the called race, the, the first one that, that, that God called out and promised, if you follow me, I will bring you into a land. I, I will give this to you, right? And so finally, we're at a point in this, this experience of salvation where God is, is not, he's ready and his people are ready to fully enter into this promise. And so there's a, there's a, uh, a few things before we get to the, this first. So what we want to kind of cover today is the first battle that God's people encountered in possessing the land. And that's, I think a lot of us might be familiar that that's the battle of Jericho. Okay. But before we get to Jericho, we want to, I just want to give you a little bit more of how how was God in his salvation preparing his people to really be able to enter in and possess, possess this land? And like I mentioned last week, what God is serving up is his son, Jesus Christ. So we have to see the son in everything of what the children of Israel passed through. When they, when they got, when they were in Egypt and they got the instructions to slay the lamb, that was a picture of Christ. When they're in the wilderness and they're hungry and the manna falls down, that's Christ. When, when they're thirsty and the rock flows out, that's Christ. So all of what God is, is providing is just His Son. But as we journey on with the Lord and as we go from course to course in God's full salvation, actually this Christ that we have come to believe in, maybe years past, just He keeps expanding. You know, as the lamb, he's just there on the table. And then as the manna, he, he's a little bit, I mean, the manna's tiny, but it, it's all over the ground. <laughs> you know, the water's just flowing. It's quenching the thirst of, of millions, okay? And then you get to this, this land that God wants his people to inherit. It's so vast and it's so full of riches. This this should just show us again who our Christ is. The one that we have believed in, the one whom we have received, is 
portrayed as a land. And we need to arrive at a stage where we begin to enjoy this aspect of our Savior. It's so wonderful. I believe everyone here has. They've handled the Lamb of God, right? Jesus, He is your Lamb. And I hope we're maybe starting to discover there's a provision every day for me. There's some manna. There's something for me to take every day. And I can't wait for tomorrow. I need to rise up today and take a little bit. And as I'm journeying, I I sometimes get thirsty. And so, guess what? There's someone, Jesus Christ, he's following me. (laughs) He never leaves me. But I have to turn to him. I have to open to him to let the living water flow again within me. It's installed within us, like John says. John says, if you believe into me, within your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. We do have our eternal thirst quenched, but we need that living water to flow in us. Because as we're on life's journey, we get into dry experiences. And those experiences are very good for us to realize, I need the living water. I don't need this other water. You know, I mean, in a certain sense, education can be a kind of water. You know, certain, you know, forms of entertainment can be a a kind of water. But those waters, they leave us just dry. Only Christ as a living water. Not only does he eternally satisfy, but he is so fresh. Every time we open to him and turn our heart to him and let the living water flow, oh, we just get so refreshed. We get so refreshed. Okay, and as we're in this process of enjoying Christ and possessing him in all these different aspects, we are being formed together, not merely as individuals who possess Christ, but we are being formed together as an army. And this army is for, actually it is required in order to possess the land. Because, and we're gonna, gonna turn to the, to the book of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, you could turn with me to Joshua. Hi, this is Abby again. I'm excited to invite you all to join us on November 21st for our annual Christians on Campus Thanksgiving dinner hosted at the church in Fairborn. Bring your appetite and any food you'd like to share to celebrate with other students before you go home for break. And now, back to Michael. So I'm just going to read, I'll just read the first two verses. So after the death of Moses, the servant of Jehovah, Jehovah spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' attendant, saying, Moses, my servant has died. Now then, arise and cross over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land which I am giving to them, to the children of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your feet treads, I have given to you, as I promised Moses. Okay, so we come to this first thing. In order to cross into the promised land, they had to pass through another body of water. And you remember when we when we touched the first they, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they had to pass through the Red Sea, right? Which we, 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 we told you is a picture of our baptism. When we believe and are baptized, we are brought through the waters and we're cut off from all the forces of the world that are trying to pull us back. 
And we are separated unto God. Okay, so now we have another body of water that the children of Israel have to pass through. Again, this, this is a picture of our baptism. And it's so wonderful that we have these two, two experiences. On the one hand, you know, who was left in, in the Red Sea? Pharaoh and all his armies. But you know what's interesting about the Jordan? You know what was left in the Jordan? So the children of Israel were instructed to, pa- to walk, to pass through the Jordan. They all walked through on dry land. And then the Lord instructed Joshua, okay, take one person from every tribe, have them take a stone, carry it to the bottom of the Jordan and leave the stone, 12 stones there. Then take 12 stones out of the bottom of the river and bring them to the other side and, and kind of, kind of instruct a, uh, I don't know if it's a monument. Actually, at the moment, I'm kind of forgetting. But the, the point that I'm trying to bring you to is actually the children of Israel were represented by those 12 stones. They were in that water. And we need to realize in our baptism, we also have been buried because we are told in the New Testament that we have been crucified and we have been buried in Christ. And so to be qualified to possess the promised land, we need to identify with that. As a believer, I am forgiven of my sins. That is so wonderful that that takes care of my need. But in order to possess this aspect, this promised land, we need to realize something else transpired. Not just my sins got forgiven when Christ was crucified on the cross. Actually, I the Bible tells me I was crucified with Christ. And when, when Christ went into the, into the tomb, I, I was buried with him. But because I am one with him, I have believed into him. Like, if you were able to catch any of the Thursday Bible studies, Danny's been helping us. In God's eyes, there's just two men. There's Adam and there's Christ. We all start in Adam, but we all need to, through believing, be transferred into Christ so that we could share in all of his experiences. And so in Christ, we don't have to fear death. Actually, death is a great release to us. It it frees us from, from Adam and all that is in Adam. And I just don't have the time to get into that. You just have to get, uh, you just have to go back to Danny's podcast. It's so wonderful. Oh, how, what, what we have now in Christ. Okay, well, what we have now in Christ is we have, we have a new position. We're in resurrection. We're on the other side of the river. And now on the other side of the river, we need to go forth at the Lord's word to possess. And what's very interesting, there is opposition in possessing the land. And Jericho was the first fortified city that the children of Israel had to defeat. And it's, Interesting, this wasn't their initiative. They didn't think of this. Hey, let's go after Jericho. No, they were just there following the Lord. And the Lord instructed them to go. And it's really interesting. How they defeated Jericho is so strange. You know, I mean, they they were a mighty army. They were like 600,000 strong. But do you know how they defeated Jericho? In silence. And in peace. (laughs) They just marched around the city one time, blowing a ram's horn. And they went back to camp, took a rest. And the Lord said, go back, march around the city one time, blow the ram's horn. 
They did that for six days. Then on the seventh day, the Lord instructed them, okay, march around seven times. And on the seventh time, you're going to hear the ram's horn blast. And what you need to do is you need to shout. You need to shout. So this is a secret to our really engaging in this experience of Christ, which requires us to encounter the enemy. Okay. You know, when you're young, you don't need to worry about whether there's enemies or not. You know, with my little kids, I like to almost to them, it does, they don't even need to know there's any, any harm in the world. <laughs> we just want them to just enjoy life, just to grow. But as you grow, you need to eventually realize, okay, there is something out there that wants to do harm. And we need to realize God has an enemy. God's enemy is Satan. And this enemy is after man because God intends to fulfill his purpose with man. And so we need to be aware as we journey on and as we enter into all that God has prepared, his full salvation, we should expect opposition. We should expect there to be pushback. Now, it's tempting to view the pushback for, as though it's like another, another fellow man, you know, man or woman. But we're told in the Bible that our warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces in the heavenlies. But those spiritual forces, oftentimes, they come to us through our friends or our family members or, you know, it just happens that way. But we have to realize, no, my, my enemy is not this person in front of me. No, there is an authority of darkness. There is an enemy that is resisting God, that is wanting to overthrow what God wants to do on the earth. And I'm not going to, and his temptation is to get you to fight against, you know, your fellow mankind. That's not our fight. No, that's why it's good to just be quiet. It's good just march. Just march. Just blow the horn. That just means the Lord has already declared, Jericho, you're, you're done. It's time for God's people to possess God's promised land. But we don't have to struggle to try to, you know, do something out of our own effort to tear down Jericho. No, no. We just obey the Lord's word. Just march. Just follow. And when the Lord says shout, just shout. <laughs> what do we shout? Well, we should shout praise the Lord. Because <laughs> our Lord has won the victory and he has promised victory. And because his word is sure, it's not a hope. We just, we believe that the Lord has already gone before us, but he needs us to rise up and to endeavor to experience all that he has laid out before us. And so we just praise the Lord. We just praise him. And you know what happens? All the walls just fall down. All the apparent, you know, insurmountable possibilities just begin to crumble. And I just will tell you, this is my experience. When I was willing 
to simply praise the Lord. Not because anything was outstanding in my life. Everything actually wasn't going the way I wanted it. But I just simply believed in God's word and I trusted that my responsibility is just to stand with that. And what I have found the best way to stand with God's word is to praise the Lord, to praise him, to say, Lord Jesus, I praise you. You are worthy to be praised. And I opened my mouth and I discovered my car is a very, very good place to praise the Lord. While I'm driving down the highway at 65 miles an hour with two hands on the wheel and my seatbelt on, (laughs) I can praise my Lord. I can praise Him for what He has promised. I can praise Him for what He has done. And as I praise Him, all the walls crumble. And I begin to enter into more of this spacious land. Christ, He still is my lamb. He still is my manna. He is my flowing flowing water, living water. He's all these things to me. But now He's expanding. He's, whoa, He's got mountains. He's got valleys. He's got all kinds of luscious fruit. Okay, you know, this is like, you know what I'm saying. Like, no, I hope you understand what I'm saying. But as we enter into this battle, not by, you know, attacking our fellow mankind, but by praising the Lord who has won the victory. But that victory needs to be applied in your life. That victory needs to enter into your life so that the land begins to be recovered for God's purpose. You know, he's won the victory. Christ won the victory on the cross. But that, that reality needs to come into your experience. It needs to enter into your whatever you're going through in life. And I would encourage you, a good way to allow it to enter in is to open this wonderful thing that God has given us a mouth and to speak his praise, to speak it. Even if nothing is going your way, you just recognize he's on the throne. He has not just resurrected from the dead, but he has been enthroned. He is far above all. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. All authority has been given to him. So whatever I apparently see as being apparently real, praise the Lord. (laughs) That's my answer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What's happening in the world today? Praise the Lord. And as as we praise the Lord, the Lord has an opportunity to expand His kingdom. That we, we would be those who are really giving God an opportunity to take full possession so his kingdom can be established on the earth today. And so God, oh, I tell you, the enemy would be utterly put to shame and God would... The victory over Jericho in Israel's first battle after crossing the Jordan was won not by Israel's fighting, 
but by their blowing the trumpets and shouting, signifying the testifying and proclaiming Christ through faith. We primarily do this by praising the Lord. Blow the trumpet. Praise the Lord for already gaining the victory. If you like what you're hearing and would like to hear more, please like, share, subscribe to, and review this podcast. See you next episode.